from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. This is Pitt MedCast. I'm Elaine Vitone. Welcome to the final episode of our three-part mini-series introducing Dr. Anantha Shaker, our new Senior Vice Chancellor for the Health Sciences, and John and Gertrude Peterson, Dean of the School of Medicine, to his new community. In part one, Dr. Shaker talked about his own story and the story of medicine's most pivotal developments in recent years. In part two, he sketched out his vision for the way forward for PitMed in both the clinic and the lab. In this episode, part three, Shaker shares his insight on leadership and building flourishing partnerships. And then in a follow-up interview recorded remotely in May, 2020, he shares his thoughts on the road ahead for PitMed in the post-COVID-19 world. Pitt is fortunate to have some very healthy cross-institutional partnerships uh, with UPMC, with CMU, and with several biomedical powerhouses abroad, like Institut de la Vision in Paris, for example. You have a lot of experience with large-scale, many-armed collaborations as the founding director of the Indiana Clinical and Translational Science Institute, which spans across three universities, as you mentioned. What do you think is the secret to keeping these partnerships healthy and strong? It's something that I have studied and struggled and learned through experience over the last decade or so. I think fundamentally, all of these partners want to do the right thing. Fundamentally, they have the same goal. So I think once we begin to understand that all of them are driven to helping patients get the best treatment, but their success metrics are slightly different. And how do you then find the right balance? Ultimately, you have to sort of appeal to the greater good approach to all of these companies and all of these partners and be sensitive to their success metrics and check their boxes correctly without sacrificing other people's principles or values. So I think that's the trick. So there's no simple solution, but it takes a lot of communication, it takes a lot of collaboration and collective problem solving. You've founded several companies. What does it take to become a very successful scientist, a skilled administrator, and a serial entrepreneur, as your colleagues call you? Are there overlapping skill sets? I think there's certainly skill sets which you can acquire. For example, I was trained as a scientist. I was trained as a doctor. So those were my basic training. But as I began to build my portfolio and began to build my clinics and my divisions and departments and then eventually at the school level, I learned administration as well. So those are skills that I acquired with experience and practice and with good mentors. The business side of it is the same way. The entrepreneurship is not anything mysterious. You need to be dedicated. You need to focus on doing it the right way. But all of that really is driven by one single thing, is that how do you generate new knowledge and take that knowledge into solving health problems? So in order to do that, you have to really invent yourself at each of these levels. It's like, how do you invent yourself as a scientist? How do you invent yourself as a clinician? And then how do you invent yourself as a entrepreneur if you want to take your idea to market? I think that's really what's driven me to keep exploring this. 
And the entrepreneurship was not really something that I gravitated to easily. But more than on one occasion, what I found is that at big corporations, there's not as much innovation. There's not as much risk-taking as you would hope, especially towards new ideas and new treatments. So the biotech world, on the other hand, is a lot more nimble and a lot more willing to take high risks. So that's what attracted me to get into biotech and say it's easy to fail at the biotech level. And if we do succeed, then there's always a big corporation who wants to come and buy you. But that's okay, as long as the treatments get to patients. In your view, what makes a good teacher? I think a teacher is someone who can communicate effectively and explain things effectively, and that's the first step. I think the really great teachers are people who inspire people to think for themselves, to grow beyond their limitations, and to reach higher goals. So you could be a great explainer and a great communicator, but truly great teachers are great inspirations. What makes a great leader? I would say it's almost the same thing. The great leader is someone who communicates well and is very in tune with the purpose of their organization. But beyond that, it's also someone who inspires everyone in the organizations to give their best to deliver that mission. And how do you inspire that? I think communication is a great first step. But really, I would say, to, to put it simply, walking the walk. I mean, you have to live that principle. You have to embody it in everything you do, in everything you communicate and your own life, you need to embrace that completely. So it's very hard to be inspiring if you're not authentic. There is no vaccine yet for the coronavirus. Researchers... The coronavirus has now killed more than 82,000 people in the United States. 33.5 million people have filed for unemployment benefits. This spring, when I listened to the tape from my interview with Dr. Shaker at the end of February, our conversation sounded like something from another century. So in May, I called him up to chat again, from afar. It's hard to believe, but it was less than three months ago that we spoke on Pitt's campus. Yes. And that day, we talked a lot about the future of medicine and Pitt's place in it. And as we sit here now talking from our homes with everyone in lockdown, all of us are being asked to evolve with our changing world right now. I'm wondering, Dr. Shaker, how do you see Pitt Med reinventing itself in the time of COVID-19? Yeah, it's a great question. This uh, COVID-19 crisis has changed everything. It's changed the way we meet, changed the way we teach. It's changed the way we do most routine clinical work. I think this is a change that is going to profoundly transform our social lives and our society. 
I think PIT's ideally suited to the post-COVID world. In clinical service, in clinical care, in biomedical research, as well as in health sciences education, The reason I say that is because of the unique assets that Pitt and its partner UPMC have. On the clinical side, you have a very large health system in UPMC with 40-some hospitals of huge footprint across the state, as well as a very large insurance business covering 3.5 million people. So with that type of platform and that scale, you can develop a lot more effective strategies for delivering care post-COVID. These include things like you know, enhanced telemedicine, data-driven decision support that can be using artificial intelligence and other types of large data science approaches to help physicians as well as community-based care models that don't require patients coming to the clinics or to the hospitals for every visit. And PitMed in particular, I think is well-positioned to leverage this to the many transformations that were going to happen anyway in medicine. So there was certainly a lot more demand already for patient-focused delivery of healthcare to be able to do more things in patients' homes, to be able to do virtual clinical visits, to be able to do clinical research in a a patient-friendly way. So those are all kind of being forced now because of COVID-19, and the technologies have been rapidly put together to be able to do that. So I think this is a change that we should embrace and really take this as a transformation that we can do more rapidly than we had originally intended to do. He notes Pitt's unique capabilities in research. It has one of the best vaccine uh, research centers in the country with high level of biosafety facilities, as well as unique sort of virology expertise to develop vaccines or to develop antibodies or to treat other types of uh, infectious diseases, they're incredibly well positioned. I I wouldn't be surprised if they repeat their success of polio again now with COVID-19. That level of accomplishments are possible at Pitt and very few academic centers, if any in the world, have all those facilities that Pitt has. In many ways, it's going to put Penn on a leading position for research over the next five years, which will be clearly dominated by infectious diseases and these types of viral infections. I think while there is a short-term challenge, financially short-term challenge, socially and structurally, it will in the long term make Pitt even greater than it is today. And I think the last one I would say is like most health sciences schools, we had always been urged to go more into asynchronous learning and electronic learning tools. It's another situation where we should embrace this change that's brought about by COVID-19 and truly get into the future of teaching through various multimedia. I think we have been experimenting a lot with electronic platforms for teaching, for health sciences schools, 
especially the School of Rehab Science and School of Nursing have been very aggressively moving forward. And we have capabilities now to partner with large electronic platforms to deliver classes for most students, whether it's nursing, medicine, or dentistry online, and try to enhance those capabilities. I think given the sophistication of resources we have and the people we have, it's better suited for a post-COVID rejuvenation of its health sciences than most top academic centers in the country. In all of those ways, I think Pitt will completely reinvent itself and will actually be well positioned to lead in the post-COVID world of biomedical research. A big part of our story as a university, and really as Pittsburghers, is about pushing through setbacks and using them to fuel us. In this difficult time, I'm wondering what inspires you to keep going and forge through. Yes. Every adversity and every crisis comes with its own unique opportunity. While this uh, COVID-19 crisis has been a national tragedy for people's health and uh, jobs and, and economy, Pittsburghers have been relatively fortunate in that the ravages of COVID-19 have been modest. There will be uh, obviously long-term economic consequences of that. But because the biomedical institutions are very uniquely positioned to potentially produce vaccine and treatments for these types of illnesses, it could totally rejuvenate the life sciences economy and the biotech economy at Pittsburgh. So in many ways, that's the opportunity that this crisis has brought to Pittsburgh. And if we can be the leaders like we were during the depression and the polio crisis. Thanks for listening. A print version of this three-part miniseries on Dr. Anantha Shaker will appear in the fall 2020 issue of PitMed Magazine, which you can find on our website, pitmed.health.pit.edu. That's Pit with two T's. This miniseries was produced by yours truly, Elaine Vitone, with Maya Best. Our executive producer is Pit Med Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Erica Lloyd. Our music was by Blue Dot Sessions. News clips from NPR's Morning Edition and All Things Considered. Pit Med Magazine is published by the University of Pittsburgh's Office of University Communications and Marketing and the School of Medicine.